Hi, this is Michael Ozan, and welcome to the Members Only Podcast for November 2006. Today's topic, paying better attention. I know I've mentioned this over the last year and a half about a dozen times or so. You know, Mark has almost a magical ability to observe folks' behavior and then predict future behavior. How does he do it? Uh, and how does he make it look so simple? Now, getting to Mark's skill level, although not at all unachievable, is not something that you and I are probably going to get to very quickly. However, we can get better and improve our effectiveness with people about tenfold. But so today, after having pestering Mark for months to share with us his observation skills, we're going to talk about improving just that. And it starts with paying better attention. In this cast, we recruited back to disk and cover something that we've alluded to about a thousand times. How does one get a quick read on someone else's behavioral tendencies? And then what can we do to improve our communication and therefore relationship, trust, and results with someone whose profile we don't know? Well, like I said earlier, perhaps we all can't be marked, but it's very easy to learn the basics. And once you practice, you can get very good very quickly. And there's an important note in this cast also. You don't need to know everything about this to benefit from what we're recommending today. It works for everyone, all the time. Oh, and stay tuned at the end. The disk profile is now available online at Manager Tools, and at the end of this show, I'll tell you a little bit about how to go about and get that. So, with that, let's go. You know, gosh, we get a lot of questions and comments about disk. <laughs> we we sure do. I, I um, of course, I have for years. Um. And I, I th- I'm pretty sure you guys ask a lot of questions when you and I work together. Um, I, I love it when people ask. Uh, it means people, uh, manager tools listeners are listening and they're thinking about it and they're using it. Um, and when they use our recommendations, we love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, what about disk? I mean, what, what, is, what is it about disk that you think so appeals to people? Um. We've talked about this a little bit. I think secretly most managers know their job is about people, even though a lot of managers work very hard to to ignore that. Secretly, they do know it. And it's an area that most of us as managers have no repeatable or helpful models or guidelines. We've certainly never, never, been, talk, never been taught about it. The whole – I think I've talked about this before – the whole – mistaken belief that somehow management is is personality just an expression of personality is just stupid and i think smart people smart managers know that that's not true um you know when you think about models yeah there's a golden rule uh and there are concepts like reciprocity and role power that obviously organizations exist to foster role power indirectly but but those tend to require some pretty judicious application. They're not very all encompassing. They're certainly not, uh, uh, you know, a a complete model uh, or a fulsome model. And there's something else too. I um, I think there's a specific fascination about it among more technical managers and professionals because many of them know that they haven't spent as much time thinking about people and communications and relationships and networks as their counterparts have in marketing or sales or even operations. Um, Frankly, uh, more technical managers, uh, IT and engineers and so on, um, are are drawn to predictable and understandable models. Um, 
I think there are plenty of folks who would say, if you could just give me the genetic code of every person and map it on my brain and tell me how to talk to them, and I don't want to think about it, I just want to be effective, that'd be great. Um, well, that's that, what I want. That? That's why I became your partner. I thought yeah. maybe, maybe you'd <laughs> give that to me. <laughs> it, it's uh, it's that old thing of if you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. Um, I, um, look, it's a system for thinking about people that works because everyone knows that people are way too complex and they've got to have a system for it. Otherwise, all they do is think about people. The idea that in a few hours you can learn enough to be effective uh, with anybody is something like writing 100 lines of code that could explain the entire universe, you know, a theory of everything. It's just very elegant, and I think it's powerful. It's compelling for people. And, and I think what, what I love about it is that everyone is already doing the underlying work of paying attention to other people. We're just providing a different, better, way better framework for thinking about the attention that you pay. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I fit into the, the category of the, the technical person that's looking for the system. And right. for me, DISC has been incredible because I, I found it incredibly valuable in so many different situations. You know, I, I find that if I spend a few minutes paying attention, I'm immediately more effective when interacting with someone. And, you know, this, some people are going to take this the wrong way. But to put it bluntly, I get more of what I want more easily, more often, by just paying attention and then making some small changes in how I communicate. Hey, that's, that's pretty well said. You get, and it's, you're right. Some people will take it the wrong way, but, but, um, but it's meant with all the best intentions. You get more of what you want more easily, more often. And, and, and quite frankly, people come to manager tools for that very same thing. It's not that we want something selfish that's that's bad um we want what's best for the organization um and if we can if we have tools that make us better uh the organization wins as well as us winning as well i look i i've told hundreds of groups um literally thousands of managers surely by now that disc is the single most important communication and sales tool i've ever learned the only tool or technique that comes close is closing uh, and, and that's really only in a sales context, the power of always asking for the close. Boy, the number of times that I've done that and been stunned to get a yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was the model that I had. You always close. And there were plenty of times I thought, well, I have to stick to the model, <laughs> even <laughs> though I was certain it wouldn't work, and it did. Um, paying, so, so paying attention and modifying my communication, my efforts at communication, lead to better results every dang time. It's as easy as cake. It's as simplest pie uh, or it's a, it's a it's a piece of pie it's easy as cake <laughs> um i mean that's what we're going to talk about today right which is paying attention now we've covered some of this before right yeah oh and we we talk about the whole concept of uh you know the first thing about disc is we everyone takes it those who take the profile they learn about themselves and of course the the, uh, the moment you know that people get discs is when they go, oh, this is definitely me yeah, uh, yeah, with, yeah. with just 28 questions. But the, the self-knowledge is very helpful because you can learn what your strengths and weaknesses are, and you can, you can think about situations where you'll need to be uh, engaged in different behavior uh, in order to be effective. Really, though, um, the power of DISC is modifying your behavior in a dynamic situation where you're talking to different people at different times of the day as an example. And, and um, even though we've talked about all the different major profiles or preferences or tendencies um, and alluded to what to look for, we've never really talked about, okay, the act itself of paying attention, 
Uh, we've never really talked all in one place about paying attention and giving some simple recommendations. Um, so, so it's easy. It's easy to think about other people or to modify your behavior when you know the other person's profile. But the vast majority of people you're going to work with, you're not going to know their profile. Um, so when you're communicating with someone new, a new direct, a new boss, someone in a meeting that you've not met before, um, this is what that cast is for. We're going to cover what to look for and listen for to help you modify your own behavior. And that's going to improve anybody's effectiveness. You know, we just got we just got back from a trip to one of our clients. And one of the exercises we take people through is is just about about this. Maybe it'd be useful to talk about that a little bit and, and share that with folks. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good one. I, um, I've, you know, doing it for years. It works every time. Did it, did it with your group years ago. And it, it's, it, it never, you know, you have a good tool when it even, it surprises the facilitator a little bit, the aha that everybody gets. Essentially what we do is we ask a group, 10 to 20 or so managers to observe an interaction between two people. And usually it's uh, someone from the audience and me, and I'm playing the role of one of the four major uh, preferences or tendencies, D, I, S, or C. And I engage in certain behaviors, and we're very open with the group about, about uh, we want them to watch me, and then we want the, them to tell me what they see or hear. And, and they watch uh, an interaction where, in this case, a police officer asks a series of questions of an eyewitness to a, to a car accident. Uh, and the reason that's valuable is because it's outside the realm of work, uh, and yet it naturally induces one to think about someone interviewing someone else. And so they don't really have to think about the interviewer. They can actually just think about the person who's being interviewed, me, the, the, uh, the witness, and they can watch and see, they can observe a person without being involved in a conversation with them. And, and we ask them to observe, like I say, two, three or four minutes. And then we ask, what did you see? And it's, it's fascinating the extent to which groups will say things like friendly or warm or direct or harsh or, or whimsical or, uh, you know, not clear or vague. Um, uncaring. All, yeah. Uncaring. Yes. Abrupt. Um, and, and over and over again, the, the lesson every single time, and every group gets it, some groups get it within a minute or two, some groups it takes 10 or 15 or 30 minutes, um, but every group gets it at some point when you tell them that's not behavior. Whimsical is not behavior. Friendly is not behavior. We, we remind them over and over again, as managers, they, they are so good at seeing the, the, uh, the problem, uh, identifying a problem and, and trying to figure out the root cause that they don't even see the behavior anymore. In other words, um, they, they can't even see what's right. They're so busy looking at what's wrong. Um, they're so busy drawing conclusions from data, they don't actually see the spreadsheet anymore. They just see this one flashing red number. Um, and the point of it was to focus on behavior. And then suddenly they say, oh, oh, yes, I got it. And they start talking about behaviors like interrupted or smiled or made no eye contact or gestured uh, um, uh, wildly, or gestured with his hands above his head, or pointed at the officer, or touched the officer repeatedly, or called the officer sir. Those are all behaviors, which then, if you gather enough data, because behaviors are data, behaviors are real, 
they're believable, they're observable, they're repeatable, whereas conclusions like friendly, you could extrapolate from friendly and guess a bunch of different things about what the person may do in the future that is friendly. There are a thousand different behaviors that you could predict as being friendly, um, but smiling is smiling and it always will be smiling. Right. And the point of that is to teach people to look for behaviors. And once they start looking, as we like to say, uh, they're overwhelmed. They suddenly realize they live in a sea of behaviors. And again, the, the four types of behaviors are words people say, how they say them, facial expressions, and their body language. And once you start looking for those things, it's very obvious. Um, now, okay, but, but, but what's what's I know you 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 focus a lot on on observing behavior versus immediately jumping to conclusions. Yes. But, but what but what's the problem with jumping to conclusions? We have, you and I have more years than we care to talk about in terms of experience of observing behavior and making conclusions. So aren't aren't we, you know, just through years and years of practice fairly good at at observing behavior and making conclusions and having them be accurate? No. <laughs> no, no. No. I mean I've been doing something for 40, Look, 46 I, I, years I, I, and I'm terrible yeah, at it. I, I, I'm uh, most humans are really, really bad at it. We we start drawing conclusions about we draw conclusions almost immediately. Um, in fact, our brains are predisposed to do that. Our brains, in fact, look for certain facial expressions in order to guard us against anger or retribution or violence, um, you know, harm to ourselves. That to to invoke the fight or flight mechanism, um, uh, the brain is predisposed to look for angry faces. Believe it or not. Uh, and, and at times it's also predisposed to look for smiles and those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, most human beings are, are terrible at it because we try too often, too early to guess right away. We, we, we want to use one data point or two data points. Well, really you need several. Um, and, and I generally think, you know, gosh, if you can get five or 10 and of course in a group, if they're watching uh, this exercise that we do, uh, in about two minutes, a group can have 10, and then the uh, the evidence is overwhelming, and you run through using the hemisphere technique, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, and you can really get a quick read on somebody. But most people draw the wrong conclusions, or what's worse, they say somebody's friendly, and then they engage in their own set of what they consider to be friendly behavior, and the All other right. person wouldn't call that behavior friendly. And the person says to me, well, gee, they were, they seem friendly, so I was friendly to them. I said, yes, but what you describe as friendly in terms of your behavior, they don't think of as friendly. And right. so you guys are engaged in two different sets of behavior. You think you're talking friendly to them, and they don't think that at all. Um, okay, so, so if we focus – so you're saying if we focus on behavior – instead of drawing conclusions, we gather as much data as possible about specific behavior that that – when you say more believable, that, that – we're much better able to predict based upon that behavior what their behavior is going to be in the future. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You don't have to guess whether they're friendly or not. You don't have to draw that conclusion. You can just say, look, right now I'm interacting with this behavior. The entire history of humankind is in a month from now when I interact with this person again or in two weeks when we meet again, they're going to engage in the exact same behavior they are now. And if I modify my behavior to be more like theirs, I don't have to become them. But if I modify my behavior to become more like them, I'm going to have a better relationship with them. I'm going to reduce conflict with them. The chances of us communicating effectively, which is sharing ideas between our heads, um, are, go way, way up. Uh, the and the chances for conflict, for disagreement, go way, 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 way down. So this is a way of establishing a much better rapport with somebody by mirroring, to some extent, some of their behaviors. And I'm not talking about... <laughs> 
they cross their legs, you cross their, yeah, their legs, no. that kind of stuff. Yeah, We're and, talking and, about communication style. Yes, and, and, and mirroring really has a, a bad rap, and, and yeah, rightfully yeah. so, um, because because you you really can't do it. I, I'm just suggesting if you're a person who gestures big then and the other person gestures small <laughs> – if you get too close and start gesturing big, they're going to be scared of you. <laughs> and right. if you think being somebody being scared of you, role power notwithstanding, is a way to increase your chances of being effective, you're mistaken in the long run. Oh, um, I've been messing up then, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. Yes, both of us have, in fact, um, because sometimes we forget. Um, right. and, and we're actually pretty well accomplished at this, and we still forget. Um, right. So the point okay. of this cast is really to say, look – Let's watch people with a little bit more intelligence. Let's pay attention with some intelligence. We're going to suggest some specific things you can look for early. We're not suggesting you only look at these three things, but we're suggesting that this is a, a place to start. Um, and quite frankly, as you get better, in the first two minutes, you're going to gather enough data about somebody and learn the hemisphere technique so fast that you're going to be able to say, oh, I got this person. I, right. I, I can predict with about 80% likelihood what they're going to do in the future, and that will allow me to tend to behave in that way, and I'm much more likely to have a good relationship with them. All right. Okay, so now that we know why we're doing this and why we're, we're going to talk about how to pay attention, what are the basics of, of quote-unquote, paying attention Okay. Um, basically, when we talk about paying attention, I'm going to recommend there are three clues everyone look for when they're first meeting, that is to say, when they're learning about someone else. And we're going to put them together with what I call the hemisphere techniques. And the three clues that we're going to recommend you look for are gestures, verbal speed, and facial expressions. If you look for these three things, and we're going to tell you how to look for them, um, they're a good initial screen to get you started. That's not to say, and we're going to talk more about this in a second, that there aren't other things you can look for. There are a lot, but these are the first three. And then again, you put that together with the hemisphere technique, and it'll give you a real good sense of what kind of profile the person whom you're talking to has. And then based on that, you can modify your behavior. Um, and, and I've got a couple of related points we've got to cover first. Okay. Okay. First of all, um, uh, the, this works, this technique we're describing, um, this tool, this manager tool, works for everyone. The purpose of studying someone else's behavior, which you're already doing anyway, right? Everyone's already studying everybody else's behavior, um, just, we're just not doing it very systematically. The, the purpose of studying their behavior is not simply to just know intellectually their tendency. Just knowing tendencies isn't enough. The purpose of all of our work around relationships and communication is to make you more effective. That's why my book is The Effective Manager. Um, um, it's to make you more effective at work and in other areas. Since virtually every role you have requires interaction with others, becoming highly effective at communicating and developing trusting relationships with others will make you a great deal more effective. As simple as that, I don't think anybody argues with that. What's key here is that while the DISC model gives you a great organizing tool. You don't need DISC to use the information you get as you pay better attention. The tools we're talking about, the analysis of gestures and verbal speed and facial expressions and the hemisphere technique, doesn't, isn't inherently based in the DISC. Uh, it's it simply, DISC makes it a little bit easier, gives you a little bit tighter model. All you need to do, this is the key point here, all you need to do once you start paying better attention, is modify your own behaviors in the direction of the behaviors you're observing. 
and you'll increase your chances for better communication, better relationships, better results, more effectiveness. Simple as that. So I want to say that again. Forget about whether or not they're a high D and you're a high S or anything else. All you need to do with this information is, is use it to modify your own behaviors in the direction of the behaviors you're observing, and you'll increase your chances for better communication, better relationships, better results, more effectiveness, period. Okay, so I just wanted to, I wanted to make a point there that th this is, in fact, related to, but not entirely dependent upon or contingent upon knowledge of DISC. That's great. And, and if there's, you know, we, we may have some new listeners who aren't familiar with this. Right. And if they want more information, we've done lots of podcasts on them, in particular in the registered members only section. Yeah. So, yeah, really, a, that's where we, we get so many comments about that. People need to register and, and uh, get, get those forecasts about high D, high I, high S, high C. Right. But but in this case, if, you, if they haven't listened to it, they don't need to stop and right. go listen to four hours of podcast to, to uh, benefit from this particular podcast. Exactly. Right. Okay, good. So, so drive um, on, folks. <laughs> exactly. Good. Good drive on. Um, now, look, second, there are many other behaviors to look at, a lot of behaviors. Um, these are just the best ones that I found that people who are learning early grab onto initially. I, I often look at things like style of dress, office decor, eye contact, vocabulary, friends, choice of hobbies. All these are indicative in terms of tendencies to a person's life and behaviors in general. But, but many of them that I just mentioned are data points that are best left to more experienced users um, or by someone who really is willing to gather lots of data before drawing a conclusion. For instance, uh, um, how someone treats another person's personal space, whether they stand close to you or far away, whether they touch someone else or not, those are great indicators but probably not the first ones you should use to try to filter in terms of helping you understand where this, how this person tends to approach life or what their behavioral tendencies are, because you may not get that in a first interaction. You may not get a sense of that. You may be sitting across a conference table. Uh, you may be standing in a way that, that measuring closeness isn't easy or, or you don't get a sense of whether or not they're going to reach out and touch you or something like that. So, we're not suggesting that these are the only ones by any stretch of the imagination. These are just the easiest and best to teach early on in terms of thinking about paying attention to other people. All right. I, and I get the sense that you're also thinking kind of like we talked about in coaching. You use the term piles of data several times that we're, that we're looking for piles of data, not just one or two points. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm um, more data is always better. No question about it. Um, that's just a continuation of our discussion above that, that in that exercise, we, you know, we'll get 10 or 15, um, examples of behavior. And when you get 10 or 15, the, the evidence is overwhelming. Groups come to a smashingly fast and accurate conclusion when they take the time, two minutes worth to observe someone else's behavior. Um, so more, more, more is always, always better. Always be watching. Um, now, um, sometimes people come up to me and they say, well, gee, I think he's this. And I say, no, he's not. He's that. And because of this, 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 and this. And they say, well, how did you notice all that? I say, well, if you really make a habit of paying attention to other people, which, by the way, they assume you're doing because you're looking at them. <laughs> um, of course, there's a problem with that. And the old joke of in America, the opposite of talking is a lot listening. It's waiting to talk. Um, we're also busy thinking about what we're going to say next. We don't even see what's happening or we don't even hear what's occurring right in front of our faces or in front of our ears. 
Um, and by the way, folks, if you, if you really want an unsettling experience, just partner with somebody who cannot turn off their <laughs> ability to observe every minor detail you ever do while in their presence. I, I, well, actually, hopefully, you know, I can. Uh, I, I can't turn it off, but at least I don't verbalize it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, except when your eyes roll back in your head. <laughs> Yeah, I remember one time somebody else was watching us as we had a discussion, and I made a point of bringing up like six of them, and I could tell he had the experience that you had, only he had a third party, and he he got to watch you become um, become very directly angry and frustrated with me, like, okay, enough with the parlor tricks. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so w- with those kind of couple of points, as three points as background, rather than going through the three, the gestures, the verbal speed, and the facial expressions, I think it'd be good, Mike, to start with the hemisphere technique. It's kind of backwards, but I think if we do that, it'll be easier to roll out the rest of the... the yeah, um, I think the hemisphere technique is, is a good... It's a good um, uh, framework to hang your observations yes. on. Right. right. So a little familiarity with disc here is helpful, but but we can we can cheat a little bit. Um, we're talking about the four hemispheres that one can make from a circle that is divided into the four major behavioral tendencies, D's, I's, S's, and C's. If you take a circle and you divide it vertically and horizontally, you end up with four hemispheres, uh, a top hemisphere, a bottom hemisphere, a left hemisphere, and a right hemisphere. Um, if you're in the top left hemisphere of a circle, that's the high D's, top right are high I's, bottom right is high S's, and the bottom left are high C's. Um, now, if as you're paying attention, um, paying better attention means being able to categorize what you're seeing and hearing as either top, bottom, left, or right. Um, the top visualize, like I almost imagine, like as you're visualizing somebody, as you're observing somebody. You're just placing, you're gathering data points, so we understand that, and you're just placing dots or data points in each of the hemispheres, right? Exactly, yeah, and and, um, you can think about it, you don't have to put them um, in any particular spot in the hemisphere, you just let them go in the top or the bottom, whatever, and then you do your math at the end, and it's, it really is, it's not math, actually, it's just you look at the preponderance of the evidence, and it's overwhelming. If you get enough data points, it's quite overwhelming. Um so now we, we talked about DIS and C, but the top hemisphere is reserved for those people who behave in an assertive fashion. The bottom hemisphere is for those who are reserved in nature. The right hemisphere are, are for people who tend to focus on other people. And the left hemisphere tend to be those who focus on tasks. They tend to focus on work rather than on people. Uh, so with those things in mind, top, bottom, left, and right, um, let's talk about the three categories, if you will, or the three areas of, of behavior that we're suggesting for early on, early attention paying, if you will, early better attention paying, you can get some, some quick reads on people that will help you modify your behavior when you're interacting with them initially. Hey, Mark, let me share something real yeah, quick go that, ahead. that has helped, been helpful to me in terms of thinking, thinking top, bottom left, right, because this might be useful to people as they're listening to the podcast, is uh, keeping it straight. I think of on the top are the more dominant people, right? So top top hemisphere being on top. Person likes to be on top. Person on the bottom is not as dominant, right? So that's how I get, that's how I okay, good, top, good. top, bottom. And then right, left, the people on the right are more focused on people. The fo- folks on the left hemisphere are more focused on task. So I think of right as in 
most Western cultures, at least, we shake hands with our right hand, which is a people-oriented, not a task-oriented activity. And so I think of people on the right as shaking their hand being people-focused. Wow. The left. So that so that's how I keep it straight in my head. Just thought I'd share that. Well done, partner. Uh, I've I've never used that before. Um, I did it the hard way. So yeah, so you, yeah. You 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 make up for uh, for it by being really smart. <laughs> come up <laughs> with right, these little right. games. Yes, uh, the, the secret's out. <laughs> I'm a lot smarter <laughs> than you, right? Sure. Um, okay. So um, let's start with gestures. When we talk about gestures, we're talking about what people do with their hands, and, and to a lesser degree, body language. But for now, we're talking about people moving their hands when they talk. There are two factors to watch for here. One is the size of their gestures, and the other is the speed of their gestures. Okay, Size is, as it, as it sounds, how big the, gesture, the person's gestures are. And I think we've said this before in, in at least one, perhaps in many, many podcasts. The rule to recommend is to roughly draw a, a, rect, a rectangle that is bounded vertically by a person's waist and neck and laterally by their shoulders and hips hips. Again, roughly. What we're paying attention for here relative to size of gestures is whether they gesture inside the box mostly or they go outside the box a lot. Inside the box would then indicate a more reserved uh, um, approach to the world, which would be a bottom hemisphere behavior. Outside the box would tend to suggest they're more assertive, particularly if they, they, the outside includes towards you, invading what you might consider your personal space. That yeah, would be a, a, fin- a finger in your chest would be a good indication. Yeah, them grabbing you <laughs> or putting their hand on their shoulder and shaking you so much that you lose your balance. Um, those would be outside the box gestures. And outside the box gestures tend to be top hemisphere um, behaviors. So that's an idea. If you see somebody gesturing in what you consider to be small gestures, then they tend to be reserved. And so at the bottom hemisphere, um, it's not enough to to say, well, that person therefore is an S or a C, which are bottom hemisphere styles. Um, But it's at least an an indicator. Uh, If you take 10 or 15 pieces of of behavioral data in the first couple of minutes, at least one, perhaps two, are going to be opposite of what you think because nobody's a perfect example of the four styles. Um, but, but you can throw away one or two if eight, nine, 10 or 11 or 12 of them overrule it consistently. Okay. Um, then the other factor to watch for is speed and speed basically means, as you might think, how fast they move their hands as their gesture. The faster they are, the more likely they are to be assertive and therefore top hemisphere. Um, that would be a D or I. If you feel like there is slashing or cutting or quick stops, think assertive or top. Also, pointing with one finger, with the other hand, with the rest of the fingers closed, um, as opposed to just an open hand gesturing in your direction. Pointing with one finger is an assertive top um, hemisphere gesture. If there tends to be words that you would use to describe their behavior, their gestures as flow or wave or pause, think reserved, Think bottom hemisphere. That would be S or C. Okay? That's gestures. Uh, it's the one I see first. And people, people, I, I see people coming a mile away. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the guy in the uh, FedEx commercial that 
points with his kind of fingers all together. What's what's that guy? Which FedEx guy? Yeah, it's a commercial. Which one was it? What, what FedEx commercial? Oh, the guy, the guy's at a in a commercial, and uh, the guy at the head of the table. Oh, that guy. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I think I said, the other guy, the guy at the end says, "I just said that." Yeah, I just said it. No, he no. <laughs> I did. That I did this. Yeah, that, that's a classic. I love yeah, that. That's a good one. Uh, okay. Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's talk next about verbal speed. And the question we're the question we're trying to answer here is how fast do they talk? If you're using me as an example, everyone would talk slow. <laughs> um, but, the, but the measure to ask yourself is, do they talk faster than you? Or do they talk more slowly than you do? Helps to know your own style a little bit, whether you're above or below average. I know that I'm way, way, way above average in verbal speed. Um, yeah, I know that if I want to really get good uh, rapport with you, I talk really fast. This is how I do it. Yeah, good. I, I appreciate it. It saves me time. I have stuff to do. <laughs> yeah, get all that stupid stuff out of your mouth quickly so I can get on with the rest of my life. Uh, a couple of rules to apply here to use as, as discriminators are, do they interrupt you? Or short of that, do they obviously start getting ready to talk before you are through talking? That's a top hemisphere person, a deer and I. Do they stop talking when you interrupt? Again, that would be bottom or reserved or bottom hemisphere reserved an S or a C. By the way, you can, in the interest of science, try interrupting them, even if it's not your own style, just to see what they do when you interrupt them. A deer and I would continue talking unless you continued interrupting. Um, and there was just too long a period of two people talking at the same time. Okay, so those are so if you perceive that they're faster than their top hemisphere, if you perceive that they're slower than their bottom hemisphere. Okay, and then third, facial expressions. This is the simple, simplest one. Um, and, and the question is, do they smile at you more than just in the initial greeting? If they do, they're probably right hemisphere, uh, which is people focused, and that's an I or an S. If not, their left hemisphere, D or C, task-focused. It's literally that simple. I look for a smile after we're first introduced. And what I found too many times, not every time, is, is if I get one smile after the first couple of minutes, I get 10 more. Hmm. If I get no smile in the next couple of minutes, I'm unlikely to get any more. Maybe I'll get one. It's interesting. It's, it's that... Apparent. Yes. That obvious. Now, now I, I reserve the right to make an exception when jokes are being told, right? I mean, obviously, everybody's smiling at that per, that at that point. Um, but but these are three things that you can use right away to practice. I, I encourage everybody. Once you get good with these, add two or three more. Look for more behaviors. Start practicing. Uh, you know, Mike, we've got to figure out some way to share with everybody the the. Uh, the police exercise. Um, maybe we can do some video casts and um, and uh, put them out there so people can see uh, behavior being observed and watch a group deal with deconstructing someone's behavior. Um, so we're not suggesting these are the only three. There are hundreds of behaviors. When you start seeing the world as a, start seeing people as an amalgam of behaviors, you become overwhelmed by how much you've you, you've been aware of before, but not consciously aware of. Um, uh, so these three, it may not seem like a lot of data, but they're, these are my go-to starters. Uh, they help me begin to get a read on somebody's tendencies. 
If you practice looking for these until they're second nature, you're going to be able to add a few more to your behavioral scanning, and then you're going to really feel good about modifying your behavior um, because you're going to be more confident that you're moving in the direction of someone because you accurately understand how they tend to engage the world with their behavior. And yeah, these are and, and, and again, you, you don't need desk. You can just follow their lead. If you find that somebody talks much more slowly than you do, slow down a little bit. You'll probably find that conflict is reduced and and relationship and and uh, karma is not karma, but but connection is increased, uh, and that increases communication and understanding. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, not at all. But I mean, this has been. Um Great, and, and, and I'm sure in a future podcast we'll go into some more details, but I think this is a great place for folks to start and start, you know, really start the habit of actively observing other people's behavior, not inactively, but making bring it to the forefront of your, your brain um, versus a passive activity and avoid making assumptions or coming to conclusions before observing behavior. So this is a great place to start, as simple as it is. Yeah, I am. I, um, I I see so much behavior around me. Um, sometimes when people say, "Gosh, how did you do that?" I, I it's just a different way of engaging with other people. And I find that uh, I may not always have perfect relationships with everybody. That's obviously not the case. But it's rare when I am am doing things effectively. When I'm thinking about being effective, that I would have conflict that I that I didn't expect. Um, I can reduce the chance of having unintended conflict to practically zero just by using paying attention to these early behaviors and then building on my behavioral database, um, to use a very technical way of, of phrasing it, um, so that I can essentially modify my behavior and reduce my chances for conflict. The less chance of conflict, the more chance of connection I have. And the more chance of connection I get, the more likely it is I'm going to get more of what I want. And that's what the organization needs. Yeah, that, that even applies to getting free drinks on an airline, right? Uh, yes, it, it does. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, uh, it's quite quite good at that. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I'm I'm bringing. I should I should share the inside joke with folks. Mark and I just got back from one of our many trips, and um, the flight attendant uh, on the on our our flight was initially uh, I don't know rude, but abrupt, and was apparent that that she wasn't in a great mood, and. Um, Mark looked at me and said, well, we're going to change that. And he paid attention to her behavior. And within 15 minutes, this person was our best friend. <laughs> and we got, we got, it was great. We got free drinks. Yes. The rest of the flight. We did. And it was an eight-hour flight. Yes. So it was good. We were very happy about that. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, it was, it was strictly a function of behavior. It wasn't a function of intent. It wasn't a function of like or dislike. It was strictly some behavior. Um, behavior is believable, it's observable, and it is absolutely changeable. Yeah. And this is not a parlor trick. I don't, I don't mean to imply that by that, that story, but it's just a very powerful example of Mark observing somebody who is not having a great day, where he's exhibiting behavior that would be indicative of somebody who might not be having a great day. And I tell you, the rest of the flight, not only did we get great service, this person had a wonderful Day. Yeah, they had a, they had a much uh, better experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, so powerful stuff. Well, th Mark, thanks for sharing. This is uh, great stuff, and I hope folks um, don't get lulled into um, inaction by the simplicity of it. I think there's a danger there. I'd encourage folks to go out and do it and observe the results, and uh, I think they'll be surprised. 
Well, anybody, yeah, the, the great thing about this, partner, is that when people start doing it, it's easy to hear it in a podcast. When they start observing other people's behavior and then they're having to carry on half of the conversation as well, they're going to discover it's a little bit tougher than they thought. Uh, but even though it's tough, it's far better to fight through the toughness and focus on behavior than it is to continue to rely on our snap judgments and, and, and guessing at personality and being wrong and creating conflict when, in fact, a little bit more attention on behavior rather than personality would have gotten you where you wanted to go. Well said. We'll end it there. Thanks, my friend. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. Well, there you go. A couple of notes before I go. First, it's that time of the month, and, yep, your vote at Podcast Alley will be appreciated. You know, your vote each month helps us stay in the top 10, and that helps us be visible on the front page, and that helps us reach more people, and that moves us closer to our goal of changing the face of management across the world. (laughs) So, if you have the time, we'd appreciate your vote on Podcast Alley. Secondly, and I mentioned this earlier in the, the beginning of the podcast, if you're interested in the disbehavioral profile, you can now get it online through Manager Tools. And it's pretty easy to get. Just simply go to your Manager Tools profile, which is um, accessed by clicking the My Profile link on the homepage once you've logged in, and select the Disk Profile from the drop-down list of products. Now, believe it or not, the Disk Profile is available in English, UK English, they speak a weird English over there in Britain, French, Spanish, German, and Italian. If you haven't taken the Disk before, I think you'll find it well worth the minimal expense and time to go ahead and take it. It's quite an eye-opener. And put to use can improve your effectiveness immediately. I know it worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. You know, please consider it. Well, that's it for now. We'll see y'all again next time. So long. 